I don't know why, but I was like super like nervous for this. Like I, 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 <laughs> I think it's like you guys both do it and you do such a good job. And I'm like, I, so this has been, and I feel like I've sort of got like the garage podcast situation <laughs> here. Yeah, you're you're so funny, Katie. You're oh going. man. Well, I don't know. It's just it just feels really ghetto. Kirsten Brockner and Alexis Morgan are co-hosts of the podcast Sharing Her Journey. On their website, sharingherjourney.com, it says, We are women who desire connection. We put our arms around one another. We face hard things with courage. We work to have conversations that matter. On this episode, they share with us some of their observations about what women face mentally and emotionally and how we can learn to trust ourselves better. My name is Katie Houston Davies, and this is Mental Illness and Me. So hi, my name is Kirsten Brockner, and I am a mom to two children that just turned 16 and 18. I work full-time as an interior designer. I love yoga and cookies. (laughs) (laughs) That was such a good summary. I love that. (laughs) I am Alexis Morgan. I consider myself a lifelong learner. I love learning. And so that's kind of led me down this field into communication coaching and working with nonprofits to help them develop their mission and focus on community outreach. I'm also an educator, currently substituting in the district as my schedule permits to try to help my local community. And I also enjoy writing. I'm married and I have four children and we enjoy spending time outdoors, traveling and cooking and eating really good food, especially during the holidays. Thank you guys so much. I love those introductions. What's your favorite holiday food, Lex? Uh, I would say like Oh, I always eat um, sweet potato biscuits at Thanksgiving and Christmas. I have never heard of such a thing. They're delicious. They're so good. And Kirsten, what's your favorite kind of cookie? Um, I like chips cookies. (laughs) Those are so good. (laughs) Wait, chips like Chips Ahoy cookies? No, like chips (laughs) of the... place that you purchase them at that they they're like these ginormous cookies that found oh. each chips is the name of the company and they deliver they deliver yeah oh like how crumb- have you not like, heard of this i know like crumble cookies or- it's like crumble yeah but okay. it's um they're a little like- bit better okay sounds like you're gonna need to bring me some <laughs> <laughs> well One of the reasons why I was really interested in having you guys come on the podcast is because you guys have a specific niche. You talk to women on your podcast and you have them share their stories. And I feel like in the world of mental health, mental illness, there are some things that people struggle with that are specifically challenging for women. Before we jump into that a little bit, I would love for you to tell us about your podcast, Sharing Her Journey. So our mission really is to help women explore their desires and recognize their voice to help them facilitate authenticity, integrity, and brave the tough conversations of life so that each woman may be the author of her own journey. We feel like we are women who are shaping our present, learning from our past to grow into our futures. 
And we are women who desire connection and want to help facilitate that connection in other women throughout their lives. And we believe that women sharing their stories and us learning from their stories help to facilitate our goals as our sharing her journey community. That is beautiful and very articulate, which I wouldn't expect anything less. You guys are both (laughs) very amazing women. Kirsten, can you tell me what inspired you? Because I I believe that you are the founder of this podcast. Um, I came up with the idea. I was actually at a business conference where they were talking about the power of story and how like everyone has a story and everyone has something to share with the world. And um, I just kind of started thinking that growing up in a community that we love genealogy and talking about our past. And I started thinking like how amazing it would be if my grandmother that I was really close to, if I had more of her, like she had passed away and she didn't really keep very many journals. And I just thought, you know, that would be so cool. So I thought, you know, I want to start recording if for anybody, if it's just for myself or my family and my future. But then I also was thinking back to the days when I was a stay-at-home mom and I had young children. And back in those days, we didn't really have social media. And there wasn't a lot of ways to connect with other moms outside of just your small community. And I think blogging had just started at that time. And I thought, how incredible would that have been in those moments that I felt alone to be able to have an outlet somewhere that I could learn from other women and hear their experiences. So it was kind of a combination of just all of the things, like what would I have wanted when I was younger Also me personally, I had gotten into listening to podcasts and they had helped me through really hard times. And I had really, I'd I'd listened to Rachel Hollis, like she kind of started the podcast, the big podcast boom. Um, So I started out listening to her and anyways, so I didn't want to um, do the podcast alone because again, I was like, who, I don't want it to just be me. That would be super boring. I thought it would be cool to do like Um, something kind of like the view or the red table talk, but have it just be women sitting around talking and having all different perspectives, but more like in a podcast form. So that's kind of the concept was having different women with different personalities and then um, yeah, bringing on guests to share their stories as well. So not just having it all about me. (laughs) I love hearing that backstory. That is extremely inspiring. And I think that that ties into when you said when you were a young mom and you had those moments where you wanted to connect with other women. I think that's kind of a little bit what I want to talk about today is why do we have those moments and what can we do when we are feeling alone and discouraged? And so I'm looking forward to talking about that a little more. Alexis, what inspired you to join the team with Kirsten? Because I know you're joined recently. Yeah. So I was really searching for my outlet for a connection for something. In um, in August of 2020, I had completed my master's from the University of Idaho in adult organizational learning and leadership. And my family had just recently moved to the Boise area from Northern Idaho. 
And I knew that because of COVID, the best option for me was to stay at home with my kids while we braved the at-home learning here in the Valley. And I was happy to do that with my kids, but it was really challenging. And so in September of 2021, I had known Kirsten for a year at that point. She had was actually my interior designer. And so we had gotten to know each other. And through a conversation I shared with Kirsten about my master's project that had focused on um, civility and how a group of newspapermen confronted incivility in our community using communication. And I was sharing that with Kirsten. And as we were having this conversation, she eventually said, hey, I'm looking for a new co-host. And I think you would be amazing in addition to the team. And through more conversation, I just thought, oh my gosh, this is it. This is what I've been looking for. (laughs) This is this beautiful project that is now like right in front of my face. I would love to join. And so it was because of really Kirsten's vision and the invitation that I just felt so gifted um, to this opportunity. Thank you so much. After hearing the mission statement that you explained at the beginning, I can see why you would want to become part of this project. Kirsten, how long has the podcast been going? So it's actually been going for two years. We took a little break this summer But yeah, it was going through COVID and it was actually really, um, it got me through COVID. (laughs) Let's just say that. It was great. That's awesome. So about, do you know about how many women you've talked to or interviewed over those two years? Oh gosh. I was just going over them again today, looking at like our top episodes. I would say like probably like 45-ish, 50 women you've probably interviewed. Yeah. That is amazing. And that's perfect for what I'm hoping to discuss today. You've talked with so many different women too, who have different educational backgrounds, different cultural backgrounds, but there's a universality, you know, with women in general in a lot of ways. And in your observation, what are some of the most significant mental and emotional struggles that women deal with in the world that we live in today that are perhaps unique to women? So I was trying to think of one that would be unique to women. And I think that there's a couple, there's a couple of things that came up. Like our number one downloaded episode was an episode on body shame and body dysmorphia. And I feel like women struggle with this more than men. And then the other thing I came up with was, I think that women are always struggling with how to balance motherhood with career or with self or with their own, their own interests. So I think that was another thing that kind of just stood out is trying to, trying to balance that. Right. Yeah. I I agree with you. You were mentioning the body shaming, body dysmorphia. What were some of the things that you walked away with after having that conversation? With the body shame. And I think that that ties into women's self-worth, women's confidence, just everything. Um, Another theme that came up a lot is, which is kind of why Alexis and I talked about our um, hashtag in her we trust is there's a lot of um, women who don't trust their inner self. And that struggle 
it happens universally. Like I hear it all the time. People come on and it, it might be that they've had cancer or they might be going through a divorce or they might be like, whatever the struggle is, it's always like this internal, like having a hard time trusting themselves, having a hard time thinking that they're of worth confidence. Um, so just all of those things come up over and over just in different areas. Yeah. That's a topic that has been really interesting to me, especially lately, just having had a, a child and watching yeah. my body go through such a transformation, having it be different than it's ever been before and not knowing if I'll really ever be able to recover <laughs> from mm-hmm. it. And it's, it's, ha- it's made me have to take a really good hard look at how I perceive myself and also what my position is on bodies and what they're supposed to look like or what my body, what I want my body to look like. Yeah. The episode on body shame, um, she basically told her story of when it started and how it happened and what she went through. And it was basically a journey of learning to love herself. And so I think that's why it's so universal is learning to love ourselves is hard for a lot of women. Right. And the physical is a huge part of that for some reason. I don't want to say that it's not like that for men, but I think for women, because of the way that women are viewed in media and that kind of thing, it is a much bigger piece. Yeah. Society in general, they value women more based off of their looks and appearance, which is sad, but true. (laughs) Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Alexis, how about you? In the time that you've spent interviewing women, what are some things that you've noticed that are some mental and emotional struggles that women face? I would agree with Kirsten on those, especially women learning how to trust themselves. I know that I've even, I mean, that's something I've experienced in my life and trusting themselves in the moment that they're in and really almost like trusting the love that they have for themselves. So even in like the self-care, self-care realm, um, in terms of like emotional struggles, women will often put off self-care because they think it's like not the most important thing that they're doing. And so I, I feel like that just kind of goes back to this concept of learning how to trust yourself and being willing to say, hey, I have value and I'm going to trust myself here and I'm going to slow down and not push myself through this process that may be really challenging for me at the moment. And another thing I've like noticed is, and it really kind of like plays into the theme, but especially as like I've spoken with women, I would say a lot of women feel alone. They feel a disconnection from people. And I feel like that's something that more women deal with than men. Not that men cannot feel disconnected. I think they can too. But especially like during COVID, I just feel like so many people have been disconnected from what really matters to them or what is really important. So even for example, like when we think about our bodies and how we view our bodies, we're when people are looking at their bodies as if they are an ornament, right? They're really disconnected from the purpose of what their body provides them. And so therefore they're then disconnected from the, from loving their body and being so grateful and giving their body what it needs in that moment. So I was talking to a friend and, and as we were sharing 
one of the things that kind of came up was that women will often put off buying something for themselves until they get down to the size they want to be. Instead of saying, hey, this is the size I am right now. And that's okay. As a matter of fact, it's great because I am beautiful just the way that I am. And so I'm going to love myself right now. And so I just feel like that is this universal theme of being disconnected from from loving themselves and feeling really confident in who they are. I'm so glad you brought that up because I recently had an experience with that. Like I mentioned, postpartum, I had gained weight from my pregnancy, but then I got pregnant again. It was a big surprise. My baby was only three months old and I had a miscarriage. And so my body went through another tough time and I ended up gaining more weight. I I was so angry because none of my clothes fit and I was so miserable and I was so depressed. And then I went on a little trip with my mom and we got a bunch of clothes that fit me and it made such a huge difference in my confidence, Mm -hmm. in my happiness and my size didn't change, but I was finally willing to face the fact that I was bigger than I was three years ago and buy clothes in that size. That it's really hard. I can remember I gained a lot of weight in my pregnancies too. And I can remember after I had my first coming home and looking in the mirror And it's like, you kind of have this outer body experience. (laughs) Like I looked in the mirror and I was like, I look six months pregnant still. And I remember like getting like crying and I was like, this is not me. And then on top of all of the, all of the changes in the hormones and you just had a baby come out of you. Then you have to care for that baby while trying to care for yourself. So it's a really, it's a really hard time. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of things about postpartum that I think I was not really prepared for. I think I was so focused on what it was going to be like to deliver a baby, the labor mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And really, mm-hmm. that was nothing with an epidural. Hallelujah. Like for me, <laughs> it really that was not very that was really not a big deal. It was everything that came after that that was mm-hmm. extremely hard. And those emotions, the hormones, mm-hmm. uh, I definitely had the baby blues. I definitely went through some pretty dark periods feeling kind of out of body, like you said, like yeah. having a complete out of body experience. And I don't know that people talk about that as much. I experienced postpartum with my first two. Um, he also had colic. And so he screamed the first four months of his life. Um, and so I can remember just like crying all day and just counting down until my husband could come home. And then he came home and I would hand the baby over immediately. And yeah, it was really, really, really tough. I don't know how you did that. (laughs) (laughs) That is, that would be extremely, and on top of that being sleep deprived, like when you're sleep deprived, it does something to your mental game. I am not kidding. It is, it's a really tough thing. So I can't even imagine going through that. Oh yeah. Yeah, it is. It's tough. I guess piggybacking on that idea, I am now a new mom and I have found myself facing a lot of significant health challenges that are separate from the OCD that I already knew I had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, you know, I've dealt with, you know, like I said, some baby blues and some other kinds of things. But one of the challenges that I'm starting to really face is the mom guilt that a lot of people joke about, talk about, they say hashtag mom guilt or, you know, 
whatever. But now I'm starting to really understand what that means and what that feels like. Can you share with me your thoughts a little bit on this idea of mom guilt? And if you've faced it, how you've personally worked to overcome it so that it doesn't become all consuming and affect you emotionally? Yeah, I think that's a good question, Katie. I think part of it's kind of like with anything else with social media, I just feel like so much of it has been blown up or made maybe so much more abundantly aware to the rest of us because of the time in which we live. But when my babies were little, social media like had barely just, I mean, Facebook had barely just like started in the college realm, right? Like you still had to, when I was having, when I started having kids, I think you still had to be in college to have a Facebook account. Now I feel like really old. (laughs) (laughs) And so I say that because I feel like because of social media, there's, we, I think there is so much more prevalence of mom guilt than maybe when my kids were little, because I remember, yeah, I remember seeing some moms that would do certain things a certain way and it was remarkable, but I always tried to see it from the over, like the big picture and what I was offering my kids. So I feel like mom guilt arrives from comparing oneself to, to others and looking to others for validation instead of trusting yourself. So like, for example, um, I remember that there was this one young mom and she just always like had the most incredible bread and so many like amazing things <laughs> that she like had in her apartment when we were all in med school and granted she only had like one kid at the time and I had two, but I remember walking into her apartment and her kitchen was always trashed. (laughs) (laughs) If you're going to bake that much, your kitchen's going to always be trashed. And I thought we just focus on what we care about And not to say that like, it's more important to have a clean kitchen or, you know, versus baking or something like that. But it's, I just think that that mom guilt really comes from comparing or feeling like we're not doing enough. And again, all of that derives from looking to other people to feel good about what you're doing instead of looking inside yourself and trusting yourself that you are doing a good job and you are providing for your children what is good. And at the same time, acknowledging that everyone falls short and that's okay. That's what's part of this humanity. Right. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing is comparison. And for me, actually, it was funny. We actually did a podcast on this. I listened to it today. (laughs) Um, But I think that, yes, it's how do you overcome this? I think a lot of it has to do with your expectations of yourself. For me, I never experienced a lot of mom guilt until I went back to work. And then for me, it was, oh, well, my expectations in my mind was to be, you know, always be available for my children and do all the things for them. And all of a sudden, I was not able to do all the things that I used to be able to do. And I was not home all the time. And so it was just kind of adjusting um, expectations and 
having my husband help out more. And um, I'm not going to say it wasn't hard when my daughter would say, oh, no dinner again, <laughs> you know, like, um, but just getting, like, getting comfortable with the fact that my expectations are different, my life is different, and that is okay. And my kids are seeing me like earning a living, and they're seeing me own a business, and they're seeing me do all these other things that they can also be proud of me, you know, for other than just, you know, being there for their every need. So it, it's really more about you and your and yourself. Like Alexa said, looking inward, um, that's where the guilt comes from. And then also, I think I just wanted to say on that is it's helpful to know that you, like also you said, you can't do it all. And there's also different seasons in life that you're going to go through. Um, when people say that, you know, oh, everything's balanced. Balance, I think, is not possible. You will always be, there will always be one area <laughs> that you will need, you know, you will be slacking in. So um, just, I think the biggest thing is just try to be present when you, when you are with your kids. Yeah. I like what you just said about that, that there's always going to be one area that you're not going to be able to give more attention to. And it just reminded me of Alexis's example of the kitchen with the beautifully baked loaves of bread. And what you don't see is the kitchen that looks like a tornado (laughs) through it, you know, and, and that's a really good point. It not, not one person can have it all together in every area. They can portray that because who wants to air your dirty laundry on social media, you know? I mean, if you want to, I do enjoy looking at it. I'm just (laughs) (laughs) not going to say I don't like it. Well, (laughs) I two things that I thought of while while Kirsten was talking was that one mom guilt derives, I think, too, from thinking that moms need to do everything. And the fact is, that's not true. It's a total team effort and starting to gear families in that direction and creating partnerships and marriages and even within families, I think would really help the mom guilt. I mean, it's going to start within within the mom. The mom has to, you know, trust herself and look inward and create those boundaries for herself. But I think creating a team effort within the family really matters. Um, additionally, and Katie, I think you might appreciate this concept um, because you're so musically inclined that for me, I consider life to be more about harmony, that when we listen to song, different notes and, you know, different groups are coming on strong at different times and they harmonize together and it sounds beautiful, but it's just like that in our phases of life. And even from our day to day, certain things are going to need to be pulled each day that are stronger than others. So as Kirsten mentioned, she is a full-time working mom now. And so she is working to harmonize her life and it doesn't her life and what it har- and what harmony sounds like is going to be different than what harmony sounds like for me. But they're both beautiful, beautiful because we're both creating our own versions of a song that fit perfectly for our lives. Right. And going back to what you said, Alexis, about how we need to, as a family, learn to divide responsibilities differently, perhaps, and and sort of get away from this idea of thinking that 
mom has to do everything when it comes to matters in the home. And I loved when Kirsten said that she had to sort of come to terms with this idea that she was going to have her husband help out more, which is a really positive thing, in my opinion, for your husband, for your children. I don't know. Maybe sometimes we as women take on that responsibility when somebody would be more than willing or happy to share that load. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. And really, when women do that, they're really doing a disservice to other family members. They're cutting off family members' ability to grow as individuals. And so a lot of times women will take over a lot of responsibilities, thinking that they're doing something noble, like, oh, I'm sacrificing so much for my family. But really, it's not a noble, it's not a noble position to take because they're taking away an opportunity for another family member to grow and to contribute to the whole group. Right. And I think I'm kind of understanding that a little bit because I went from working full-time to working part-time and from my home and being with my baby full-time. And I realized like, I want to be the one to feed him every time. And I want to be the one to put him to bed every time because I know how it's done. And I were, I'm used to it. We have a rhythm, we have a routine. I think mom guilt comes like when we think, when moms think that they have to do it all. And that's like we said, it's impossible to do it all. And then you see the moms that are the helicopter moms who are not allowing their children to go out and be themselves and learn how to do their own laundry and learn how to load the dishwasher. And those kind of things sometimes are not happening. So I think it is healthy to like get everyone on board. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. What a great mm-hmm. point to bring yeah. it about teaching kids some independence as well and not, yeah. not trying to do everything for them. Oh, totally. I, I remember when I was pregnant with baby number four, Clinton, my husband was a resident. So he was gone all the time. He was working like 80 to hundred hours a week. And I had three little kids at home and I remember being sick in the mornings and my I remember Clinton sometimes would help them like just get going. And then I would wake up and come out into the family room at eight o'clock. And there would my three children be with like little tiny cereal bowls watching cartoons. And at different times, there was this like, oh, my gosh, I I stink so bad here (laughs) with my kids not helping them, you know, feed them breakfast or whatever. And then the next thought that would come into my head was, those children know how to take care of themselves. Your little five-year-old knows how to help his siblings get bowls of cereal and help them stay quiet while you're not feeling well. And this is a beautiful thing that is being created in your home. And you can feel gratitude. Like I, I decided I could feel gratitude for my children and what they were doing instead of feeling guilt for what I was not doing. Oh, I love that example. That's, <laughs> I love that image too. (laughs) (laughs) Those three little ones with their little cereal watching (laughs) cartoons. I love it. Well, this, uh, this conversation has been so good. I love talking with other women about these issues that are very uh, personal, but also very universal. And for, for a last question, I wanted to ask you guys, I'm 38 years old. And so this is sort of a selfish question from two women who have talked with and worked with a lot of women. 
will you answer for me what your best advice would be for women who are in their 30s, 40s, kind of this transition period of life where you really start aging noticeably, I guess, and you're transitioning to different work environments, you know, whether it be going back to work after being home for a long time or whether it be leaving work, (laughs) what would be your best advice for safeguarding your mental health as a woman in today's society? So I, it's interesting that you brought this up because I just kind of had a mental breakdown, mental breakdown myself um, last week, uh, just with overwhelm and anxiety. And I thought I was doing so good. Um, But I think just realizing that it's always, you're always a work in progress. Um, no matter, you know, how many, you know, how well you're feeling, um, you're always going to have setbacks because that's life. And I read a lot of books and I, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. That's kind of my way of, um, I guess, grounding myself and, and also giving myself, um, more compassion, I actually really like Mel Robbins a lot. Um, I love the fact that she shares um, that she just had a you know New New York Times bestselling book, and she still swirled back into depression and anxiety um, during COVID. And she's you know she said she's famous. She has you know all this money, and she has all these things going for her, but yet she is still it's still a daily struggle, daily grind for her. So I think just seeing other people still having that struggle, no matter what their circumstances are, I think it's very helpful, which again, is another reason why um, I'm so passionate about the podcast, because I feel like when you see other women and you can see yourself in them, it makes you feel not so alone. And I think that's really valuable because a lot of us who struggle with depression and anxiety, you want to isolate and you want to be alone. And um, it's so, so helpful to know that you're not alone. And I also feel that the more you share yourself and reach out to other people, um, the more I talk about the hard things, the easier it is for me. And I think that a lot of people um, close up and they are embarrassed um, to talk about hard things. And I just think that it's so healing and freeing to talk about things. Um, We've had guests, past guests on our podcast who contacted me after saying that just like getting it out there and sharing their truth is so healing and just knowing that that you're not alone is i think how i've kept um kept going (laughs) i love that people have contacted you after being on your podcast and shared what that experience meant to them that's that's pretty amazing yeah and then i've also um just like anything i think that you have to always be taking care of yourself, restoring yourself, because if you're depleted, you cannot do anything for anyone else. And so it's just, 
you know, finding those tools, finding a therapist or finding a friend or finding whatever it is that you need to do to ground yourself um, is important. Thank you so much. Alexis, how about you? Uh, well, I'm going to say amen to everything mm-hmm. that Kirsten said. And the message that I would, the message that I would leave is that you matter. You are uniquely you. So take care of you. And you are the number one person to do that. So learn how to advocate for yourself. I recently have been dealing with some like seasonal depression and depression runs in my family. And over this January and February are really tough months for me. It's one of the reasons I enjoy living in Boise because we usually get a lot of sun, but over the last couple of weeks, it feels like we haven't gotten as much as we normally do. And so I have been very honest with my husband and just sharing with him like, Hey, I'm having, I've been having a hard time and he has been supportive through that process. And so I have focused on my self care on learning how to listen to my whole body and being softer with myself instead of being harder on myself. And just that, um, in doing that, I continue to go back to that, to like our hashtag for the website or for our podcast in her, we trust. I keep reminding myself that I need to trust me that there's, there's only one Alexis and I matter in this world. If it's just to myself, I matter, but I know that I matter to my husband. I know that I matter to my children. I know that I have a circle um, of women in my life that don't necessarily just live in the Boise area, but that are scattered around the United States. I know that I matter to them. And sometimes um, it's important for us as women to remind ourselves that we matter and so that we need to take care of ourselves because of that. The goal of Mental Illness and Me is to normalize the mental health conversation and help those who suffer feel less alone. Your support is critical to raise awareness and help as many people as possible. If this podcast resonates with you, please follow our Instagram account, Mental Illness and Me KT, our Facebook page, Mental Illness and Me, or leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. If you are interested in sharing your story, please email mentalillnessandmekt at gmail.com.